Hi, this is Pastor Rick On Demand, and I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing thing. I'm streaming from home today. It's On Demand from my house, and I'm going to share with you a word about how a person can end up being shallow. It's so easy to have a dream, but end up with a shallow dream. Matthew chapter 13 is our study today. going to take you right into the word. You don't want to miss this. From my home to wherever you are, home or business, wherever you are, on demand, don't miss this. This is going to be great. Stay there and tell a friend. Send it to a friend. This is going to be so good. Enjoy. Well, I'm glad you're with us. We're really thrilled to have you with us today. I'm from my home today. I wanted to share a message with you, and I just wanted to be home. So I thought I'd just share with you here and let you know how much I appreciate you being in our life and how important it is during this season when a lot of us are home. Uh, I want you to feel connected to us. And I want to share a word from Matthew 13 in just a moment that talks about how important it is, if I can get this out, for you to think with more depth. And how important it is for you to see beyond the moment. It's so easy to get caught up in this moment and get caught up in how we feel. And I'm, I'm in this whatever state, my finances and all that and the disease. And we're just overdosing on it. And I know we need to know about it. But there's a tendency, if you're not careful, to get lost. And so I want to pray for you. And I want to jump into the word. Let's pray. Father, I pray for you to touch the hearts of those who are affected by this disease. Touch the hearts of those who are going through a season of challenge, this coronavirus challenge, Lord God. Some of us are watching this now and it's over. I thank God for that day. I pray that those who watch this would remember how painful it was and how much we had to fight our way through it, but God was faithful. And they are a testimony because they're watching it now that it's over. But those of us that are still in it, I pray God that you would bless and strengthen and give us grace and wisdom and that the hand of God would give us vision beyond today and vision beyond our pain, and vision beyond our challenge. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, get your Bible open to Matthew 13. Let me take you on a journey, and I want you to think with me for a moment about how easy it is to be a shallow person, and how easy it is to not be honest. So let me start by being honest with you. I want to be shallow. I miss you. I want to just start with that. I miss you. Lord, I miss you. I really do. Man, I, I miss being with you, playing with your children. You know, we have right at 3,000 members in our church, and I just love poking at the teenagers, and I love the college students, and all those we bust in every every weekend. All those good meals we feed you folks every Sunday. Breakfast, a little breakfast on the bus, and then we give you a big meal after church, and I miss all that. But that's the fight we're in right now. And learning how to manage the fight you're in, because if you're in a 10-round fight, I always say this, right? 10 fingers. And you think it's three rounds, you get beat up seven rounds. Let me say it again. If you're in a 10-round fight and you act like it's a three-round fight, you get beat up seven rounds. This is going to be longer than we want it to be. And so if we know it's going to be longer, we have to pretend, we have to not pretend, I'm sorry, wrong word. We have to fight like we know it's going to be longer. And that takes courage and confidence. And so we can't be shallow in our thoughts. And that takes us to our text today in Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13, there is this incredible um, story where uh, Jesus lays out a parable. And the parable is like taking something and you lay one truth beside another to make you understand this, the truth. It's, 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 it's throwing two things side by side. And the goal is for you to analyze it from a more practical angle. And so Jesus tells this parable to the disciples in the presence of people who don't, don't know what he's talking about. 
And Jesus said, yeah, I don't want them to know. They're not in the conversation yet. And so he kind of <clears throat> clears his throat and says, all right, guys, <clears throat> let me give you all an insight. Let me show you something that they can't connect to. And in your life, there are going to be people who can't connect to certain things. Right now, you know, there, there are preachers who can't accept the fact that their churches are not going to be the same. They, they just can't accept it. They just refuse to. And the way we think as Christians, sometimes it's hard for us to cross the bridge of new. Ah, there's a one. The new bridge, the new way, the new day is here. And so you run from that and you pretend you're in the same place, but you're not. If you have a thousand people that you see in your sanctuary in this environment today, you can only see eight to 10% of those people legally are within the boundaries of what you're told. You're told to not overcrowd because of the spread of the virus and all the things that can happen. And you know, well, Rick and Temple sound to me like you just stuck on the virus. I'm saying to you, we are in a new day and you have to have depth in your thought. You can't be the kind of person who dreams without thinking beneath the surface. You have an opportunity to harm people. You have an opportunity to do things that may not be in the best interest of your people long term. They could die. You don't want that to happen. You want to make sure you're not causing illness. You want to make sure that you care more about people than you do about your building or your services. And so I want you to think about that. I'm not saying you can't meet. I'm simply saying understand that if you're going to meet, you got to meet within these boundaries and you have to make sure you sanitize between services. You have to make sure that you clean everything. You have to make sure that you're willing to do all the hard work. You have to make sure you don't come in there singing loud. They say if you sing and all of you start singing, especially around these worship teams, I'm watching these worship teams, they're six feet apart and they're supposed to be 18 feet. It's way more. You're making decisions that may feel good right now, but if I've just heard of churches, one church had nine people that got corona and another person had three. Pastor Rick, are you spreading fear? No, I'm saying you're in a 10-round fight, not a three-round fight. It wasn't March, January, February, March. The fight didn't end in March. It didn't go March, April, May. The fight didn't end in May. The fight's still going on, and you have to act like, pretend, um, not pretend, that's a bad word, act like you are in a fight and not pretend that you're not. And that's what you are, a soldier in the army of the Lord. So fight like one. Clear your throat, <clears throat> get yourself together and say, I'm in a fight. My marriage is in trouble. My money's in trouble. My health is in trouble. You're in a fight. Act like it. Eat like it. Think like it. Save money like it. Pray like it. Okay, you got the point. And that's, that requires some depth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, verse 16. Let me read a text to you. Verse 18, I'm sorry. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then he who received the seed by, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. So the first thing I want you to notice is what he calls the wayside response. This is the person who hears something but doesn't understand it. And he uses this parallel. He says, okay, uh, parable rather. He says, okay, let's say a sower is out sowing seed, a plant, a farmer, and he's planting the seed. And when he throws the seed out, some of the seed falls on the wayside and birds come and snatch it away. That's like a guy who hears something, doesn't understand it, and it flies away. He doesn't remember. And all of us have been there. We've all been wayside people. We heard something about money, but didn't manage it right. We heard something about our health. Or we heard something about, I don't know what it is, the education, and you didn't respond properly. You didn't do your homework. And so now you are in all kinds of bondage. Well, you heard it, but then it was snatched from you. 
And I talked about in the first sermon, blind spots and how we have blind spots where we don't see, we don't hear, we don't remember. And it becomes a real issue. I think Christians, and you hear this in this sermon later on, have a lot of blind spots. Sometimes the way we train people to think, sometimes the way we organize our churches, the way we organize our lives. Uh, and, and there's a whole lot we'll talk about down the road about that. Because I really think sometimes churches are too intrusive. We ask for too much uh, and, and we demand too much of your time. God wants our time. We're soldiers in God's army. We're not just soldiers in the church's army. And that's another conversation for another day. But let me go to the second point I want to make today. There's another group he calls the stony responses, the stony places. Look at chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 20. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And so here he talks about the second group of people who are people who hear but they, uh, they're not really rooted. There's not much depth. It's like a guy throws a seed out, but it falls on a rock. And in this part of the world, that was a common problem because there were a lot of rocks and limestone underneath the ground. And so the farmer had to be really careful to till the ground, make sure the seed falls in good soil so that it can absorb. And so he says, a lot of people hear, but it, they, they never get, it never gets rooted. And so they end up without the life they wanted. Wayne Barclay is a guy I really like. Now, William Barclay, I used to read a lot of his books, and he talks about this verse, and here's what he says about it. He said, there are hearers with minds like the shallow ground. These are people who fail to think things out and think them through. They don't think things through. They're shallow in their thought processes. These people have sudden enthusiasm that quickly becomes a dying fire. It just dies. They're all excited. They want to come to church. They want God to move in their life. They're all excited. All that. But then it doesn't take long. They want to be married. They want to have children. They want to do all this, but there's not much thought. They don't think anything through. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. But you have to go to school for that. You have to pass tests. You have to, you have to pay for it. It's not free. You, you're mad about your student loan, but you thought they were going to give you the education for free. And so you don't think deeply enough. And that concerns me. I see that a lot. So let me make sure you're following me. Number one, he says there's a, there are those who are in these stony places, right? You see that? I'm sorry. The first one is the wayside. Then the second is the stony place. Then the third one we'll talk about next week, which is called the thorny places. These are people who it's all about responsibilities and riches. It's all about their jobs and their careers and all the stuff that they have to do. And that's where their mind is. It's all about making sure that they stay in this stony, stony place. And that, my friend, is unhealthy. It's unhealthy for you. It's unhealthy for you to get caught up and all your mind and heart is centered around riches and wealth and success. And then he says there are those, though, who get it right. There are those who are on the good ground. And these are people who understand. They're clear. And I'll talk about this. What's it like to be clear? Man, what's it like to have a real sense of where you're going and what's important and what's not important. So we'll talk about all of those responses in Matthew 13, but let's go today to part two in our series and talk about responses that determine the outcomes of our dreams. And, and, and I want you to notice that in this particular focus today, which is the second uh, side of the parable where he talks about the stony places, the people who, who hear the word, but they don't, they don't get rooted. They're shallow. And in this, um, 
description, Jesus shows us uh, what I call two responses that determine the outcome of our dream. So number one, write this down. Our responses to what we've, we have been taught, that is a predictor. That's what this whole parable is about. It's a predictor of your outcomes. So was it easily snatched away from you, what you heard? Your response to what you've been taught so far in life, that determines, that will affect whether or not you're going to be able to see beneath the surface. A person who is easily distracted, you teach them about marriage or you teach them about their job or career and they're easily distracted, that person is not going to go far. They're going to live in a very shallow place. Secondly, he says, our response to adversity. How we respond to instruction. Do we stumble when we're corrected? Can we, can we be guided? You know, there are a lot of good people who can't be guided. They can't be told. So those are things that can determine, if you're not careful, the outcome of your dream. So you've got a dream, right? But your dream, if you're not careful, it has no depth. And the lack of depth means that you can't handle adversity. People can't say that's wrong or don't do it that way or reconsider. You, you're easily, easy to forget what you've been told. And so God says things to you over and over and over and over again. Just think about it. how many times have you been here? In my life, sad to say, there have been too many times I knew this. I was told this. I, was, I should have been clear, but I did not connect. And that lack of connection robbed me of the quality of life that God wanted me to have. And so for you, I want you to think about that. Are you more shallow than you know? Here's how you know. You look at your life up close and you look at your results. And we'll get to that point in a minute. So look at the first thing. Second thing I want you to see. So there are two responses that determine the outcome of our dreams. Two responses. One is our response to what we've been taught. Number two, our response to adversity. That can tell us um, where we are and, and whether we're shallow or whether we're, we're not. Whether we're living in, with depth in our lives because we can handle correction. We can handle being spoken to. That means that you're in a good place. Second thing I want you to see is the two responses that help measure the depth. Now, these are two things that help measure the depth of our, of our potential dream. Now, listen to the verse again. I'm going to read the verse, verse 20 again of Matthew 13. He who received the seed on stony places, that's the one we're talking about today. Uh, this is he who hears, hears the word, right? And immediately receives it with joy. He's excited about what he's first heard. Yet he has no root. He has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when, watch this now, tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, this person stumbles. They get offended. It's, it's to them the word offense really is the word, we get the word scandalous in the Greek from. And this, to them it's scandalous that you would even challenge them. So let me give you two responses that help measure, the key word is measure, the depth, depth potential of your dream. Here we go, number one, immature excitement. If I want to know whether your dream has the potential for coming true and whether it's going to get beneath the surface and really become a strong potential, then I look at how you respond. If you immediately get excited about things and you are really, really happy, that's no indication you're going to get there. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be whatever. Okay, that's fine. But that's no excitement. I love the Lord. I'm, in, I'm, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I, I got saved last night. Immediate excitement does not indicate that you're going to have long-term success. Immediate excitement is good, but that's no indication. And that's why 
I, I've had to check myself because I get excited about some things. But the question is, will I pay the price for that? I'll sign up for school, but will I do the homework? I'll sign up and say I want to, I want to grow, but will I, will I say no to the food I want to eat? Will I say no to the extra ice cream? That, that's the real test. Immediate excitement is not. And let me just say for you, those of you that are meeting people and you in love, immediate excitement, that's, that's not enough. You know, you can you see, I see y'all saw your eyes and oh boy, your lips, oh boy, your lips. Okay, that's fine. But that's today. When you find out they're sloppy, when you find out the challenge of dealing with this person, when you find out that they can cuss sometimes in many languages, they not just cuss, they don't cuss in one language, they can cuss you in many languages. They can look at you and say, bah, 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 bah. you don't know what they say. They're saying your mama's ugly. You don't know that because you don't know them. But if you get to know them long enough, you get to know and you get to judge. Immediate excitement is no indication that anybody loves you because you look good. So you look, that's why you dressed up, right? You, you look good. You're trying, you're trying to put it on. You're trying to look like you got it going on. That's fine. But again, immediate excitement doesn't mean depth, either whether it be about a church or a ministry. I've had a lot of people get excited about our ministry for a few minutes and then they're not there. They leave. They don't support. They don't come back. That, that's, that's okay. Then I'm, this, this is not a prison. But, but the point is, immediate excitement is not an indication. That's why you got to be careful when you're excited initially. Just, just weigh it out. Give yourself some time. Number two, determined, watch this now, endurance. That is a way to measure depth potential. The depth potential is what we're talking about. How deep can this go? Is this a shallow moment for me or a deep moment for me? Well, number one, look at my excitement. Is my excitement immature? And then number two, look at my endurance. Am I determined? Endurance during trying seasons and personal persecution are true signs of depth. That's why during this season right now, it's really important for all of us to see we're being measured. How deep are we? How willing are we to really go down into our hearts and souls and discover who we are? What you want to do is you want to find a place to distract that. And sometimes church is that place. Because you feel, you feel fine as long as you go to church. As long as you're in the building. Oh, man, I'm safe. I'm close to God. Ooh, see, look, I'm close to God. It's all good. I'm close to God. I'm in the house of God. You know, I got look, I got a church full of people. I got to be on, on God's blessing. But is the real issue that maybe I, I, don't, I don't have anything that pushes me outside of my comfort zone. And so what's happened now is we're all out of our comfort zone. So we have to be determined to endure the season and go forward. And in that process, we grow and we learn about ourselves and we bow our heads with more openness and say, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Teach me. Help me learn. Which brings me to the close of the sermon. I've got three, three, three personal observations that have affected my dream. Three. Three personal observations. And the first thing I want to say is I am managing a disappointment with church. I'm, I'm managing it. I am managing, oh boy, a complicated set of emotional feelings because some things I've learned in this process that I didn't know that really surprised me. So let me share them with you. Number one, you ready? Here you go. Church and worship excitement has not always translated into a measurement of spiritual depth. Let me say it again. Church and worship excitement doesn't always translate into a deep abiding 
commitment to God. So a lot of people are excited about church. A lot of people are excited about worshipers. I worship. I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. I'm, I worship God. You worship God until Bobby call you over there after church and y'all don't have no worship in mind. You worship God until God asks you to give money or until you ask to serve somebody or until you ask to stop saying them big old bad words until I don't know what it is, but you know, and I know that just because a person goes to church and just because the person loves worship, that's no indication, no measurement of spirituality. Now, I didn't always know that. I, I have been so disappointed with Christians at times because I thought, man, I, I thought we were better than that. I thought that we were more consistent. When I look at our political stances sometimes and we see it from one angle, we don't care about it. We don't even care about anybody else's opinion. We don't want anybody to even talk. We quote our Bible verses like, you know, blah, 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 and then we don't listen to anything. And sometimes I, I feel we get lost and I've been disappointed by that. And here's our second thing. Okay, these are my three personal observations that I believe have affected my dream. Number one, church and worship excitement has not always translated. Number two, being saved and spirit-filled, to our favorite terms, has not always translated into a practical, wise person. In other words, you don't know how to live life. So being saved and spirit-filled has not always translated into maturity in the practical areas of life. In other words, you're really spiritual. You can talk the church language. But my mom used to say, but you don't demonstrate common sense. The practical side of your life, look at it for a second. Why are we so broke? Why, 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 why is the money so tight in, in churches and among Christians? Well, Pastor Rick, now people can have financial trouble. I understand. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's all your fault. And then there were poor saints in Jerusalem. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't go through a hard time. But but some things we do is not practical. It is not practical. And it's not, it doesn't make good up close sense. And so I, I have to admit that in my life, there are things I've done that didn't make good practical sense. And I was a saved, spirit-filled person. And we don't need to get into all what all that means. But the bottom line is I felt I was close to God. But up close, your marriage is a mess. Up close, your kids are all over the place. You're in church all the time, but your kids are all over the place. So now you can't go to church. Ah, so you Zoom all the time. Now you're Zooming. You're always on the Zoom. And you're still, you're still not spending any time. And if you're not careful, you miss the message. You miss the moment. You ready? Here's the third thing that's on my mind. Bible knowledge and deep moral convictions about how others should live has not always translated into Fairness and equity. You know the Bible. You know, you know the Bible. Ooh, you can quote the Bible verses and you know what other people should do. You have deep moral convictions about others' lives. But in reality, you know, if I zoom in close to you and I ask the women in your life or if I ask the children or poor people, if you zoom in and you look at how we have responded to women, I mean, I think the church is incredibly chauvinistic towards women. And, and children, they, they don't, children are kind of like an afterthought. Right now, all the guys that are working online, their focus is adults. They're not focusing on doing anything for their children. There's nothing scheduled or planned in the near future to touch your children. If you're not careful, you care way more about the people who give money who are adults than you do children. And then, watch this now. I love this. The poor people. Poor people. You know, there's a whole lot. I may talk about this down the road. A lot, lot of classism. 
It's all about getting people in with money. Do we care about the poor people? I've learned that people can know the Bible, have deep moral convictions, but not really care about the poor. Or, watch this now, you love this one, this is kind of odd, wealthy people. What do you mean? We, got, we know the Bible, we got deep moral convictions, but we don't care about the wealthy. We, we, what do you mean care about the wealthy? They, they don't, don't worry about the wealthy. No, listen, a man works hard all his life to build, build something. He gains some wealth, gains some money. If you're not careful, you don't care about him. You, got, you know the Bible now. You, you know the Bible, but you don't really care about that man. So we, you'll take all of his money. You want him to join your church so you can get all, your, all of his money. If you're not careful, it's all about you. And, and so sometimes we don't, what disappoints me is I, I, I see that our genuine care is not what it looks like. And then here's another group, the marginalized. Women, children, the poor, the wealthy, and the marginalized. Who are those people? Well, let me, let me read a definition for marginalized. You need to hang with me for a second. I'm trying to show you something. Hang with me for a minute. Look at, look at marginalized. Marginalized by definition is this. The definition of marginalized is to treat a person or group as unimportant, insignificant, or of lower status. When people who disagree with you are ignored and pushed to the, the outside of your group, this is an example of a time when you marginalize those who disagree with you. Well, 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 marginalize. We marginalize people. <laughs> Amazing. Now, this dictionary definition, I want you to think about this for a second, says a lot. And it says a lot about us. In our culture right now, the big argument is police abuse. Okay. And I want to say up front, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what I've seen. I think some things and stories I don't have to recount here because we've all seen them a lot of us have, make me say that should change. There should be a strong commitment to policing people fairly and legally within the bounds of, of, of righteousness. It should not be that people are afraid of the police and afraid to be stopped and afraid. I'm conscious myself when I'm stopped, if I'm stopped, and I've, I've only gotten two tickets in my life, and both tickets I got, I was praying. That's right, that's another story. I was talking to God loud and wasn't paying attention to the speedometer two times, and I got a ticket twice in my life. I'm 62, that's a pretty good record. But here's the point I wanna make. When you, when you think about this, I, I have to understand as a civilian that I have a right to not be not be treated harshly or wrong by a police officer. But I got to be careful when I marginalize them. When I make them, as this definition says, when I push them to the outside and they're unimportant and insignificant, that's wrong for me to marginalize them. It's wrong for them to marginalize me, to treat me like I'm not important, to, as the definition says, to treat a person or a group as unimportant. Officers should never do that insignificant, of lower status. One of the things, and I am privileged to do training with officers, which is an honor, and I get to talk to them, new recruits, uh, about burnout and those kind of things. And one of the things I say in, in response, there's a book called The Cost of Caring that I recommend to them. is by Christina Maslick. And this book, The Cost of Caring, talks about how sometimes when you see people only in a bad space, 
you tend to only see them as bad people. And that's the challenge. Officers have to manage that. They have to learn and grow and be trained and, 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 and reminded. Because you don't want to start marginalizing the people you're protecting. But on the flip side of that, we can't marginalize you either. We cannot say to you that you're not important. We need to pause for a second. Now, here's what I want to say as I close this out. That takes depth. We got to have a conversation. We have to have a conversation that doesn't say, well, we're going to forget all women. We're going to forget all black people. We're going to forget all white people. We're going to forget all Asian people. We're going to forget all Chinese. We're going to forget, we're going to forget anybody that's not like us. We're going to push everybody to the side. We're going to marginalize everybody. When we start doing that, we're in trouble. And the question is, what's the difference between us and them? If I am offended because I'm marginalized as a black man, then it's wrong for me to marginalize anybody else. I need to make sure that justice is done. I get that. I'm there, okay? I get it. But let me say this to you. I love to say this. When you start yelling, you got to have something to say when you stop. You have to have a message that you can articulate that takes you beyond your angry moment. And you have to be able to say, now let's talk. Here's the deal. We live in a world where we need each other. Jesus said these words, a house a city-state divided against itself will never stand. You know, Rome was a great nation, and it fell because it eroded from the inside. Families have been eroded from the inside. Great kingdoms in the history of the world have all been eroded from the inside. Sometimes a conquering city or nation would come and take over, but a lot of times it was the moral decay of the people. And I want to say, if you're not careful, that's what's happening today. In many ways, we're losing our way and we're starting to marginalize each other and we're starting to, to, to hate each other and fight each other over things that we don't need to, whether it be politically, religiously, personally, we become toxic in our approach to each other. And now it's time for us to pause and say, let's have a little more depth. There's something about not being a person who just dreams and pretends, but being a person who has dreams with depth. Next time I'm going to talk to you, about how easy it is for life to get out of control. And I want you to take this journey with me. I love giving you what I call my read-ahead thoughts. Uh, next time, I'm going to show you how our daily responsibilities have to be balanced and how all that can get out of whack and how he said that we can literally have, have a dream and then that dream can all of a sudden slowly die right in front of us because we've allowed the world around us to squeeze out all of our priorities and all of our values. Are you working too much? Are you spending too much time trying to make it and you're not spending enough time living? Next week, I'll talk about that. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. I pray that what I've said has been helpful to them. Thank you for having them in my home with me today. And I pray that what we talked about will inspire them to dream and inspire them to go forward and to not be shallow, but to think with depth. Hey, listen, my name again is Pastor Ricky Temple. Thank you for being with us today. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I heard a message that spoke to me and I really want you to pray with me. I, I want to give my life to Christ. Let this be that moment. Let this be the moment you said, Lord, come into my life and let this be the changing moment for me. And I believe that, that one of the great benefits of you being with me today is it gave you a chance to think a little deeper about your spiritual walk. Invite God in your life. Find yourself an opportunity to get alone and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And if you want to talk about that, I'm going to give you something you can email me. Email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. I want to connect with you. I'm looking forward to connecting with more of you.
pray you were blessed by today's message. I pray that you heard what I said about marginalizing people and how easy it is to get lost. You know, we need each other, and we have to think a little bit deeper to get there. We can't be shallow in our thoughts, so let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard the message today. May it inspire them to think differently, to broaden their minds, to embrace a broader concept. They need roots and stability. We need that as a society, as a community. We need to band together. We may have issues, but we cannot separate and be divided. We must learn to fight our way forward. We need each other. A house divided cannot stand, and so we must unite in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, thank you for being with me. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. If this message helped you, send and link it to a friend and let it bless them too. I'll see you next time. You be blessed. I'll catch you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick. Have a great day. Bye-bye.